Hey, good morning, everyone. It's Maria here with the Thought Spiral Podcast, and it has been a long time since I've recorded an episode. I actually couldn't get logged in. Um, I couldn't remember what email I had started this account with and was like jumping through hoops to try to figure it out. At the end of the day, it was literally the email I used for everything and the password I used for everything. So I am back. Um, I started my morning off uh, talking to my mom and... As usual, we kind of go from topic to topic and we ended on the topic of sexual harassment, sexual assault in the military. Um, In light of what happened to Vanessa Guillen, I think a lot of female veterans have been triggered. You know, a lot of us have decided to share our stories or parts of our stories, um, share our experiences with sexual harassment and sexual assault, um, you know, that happened to us in the military. And I, you know, for me personally, I use TikTok as a platform since I can't have other social media. And I kind of made a quick video um, about my experiences. And it has since then gotten a significant amount of likes, comments, um, shares. And it makes me think about how as women you know, when when you decide to join the military to serve your country in whatever branch, in whatever capacity, it really makes you think about how maybe you silently suffered over those years or over that time um, because sexual harassment and even sexual assault, assault they, they run rampant, you know, in any unit, in any place that you're at. Um, I think that A lot of people have been fortunate to not have experienced some of that, but I myself experienced a great deal of sexual harassment, um, honestly, in boot camp, you know, from from the day I pretty much got into the military, um, into the Marine Corps, and even over all of those years, and even joining another branch, it didn't stop. So I shared an experience um and it was pretty brief cuz you don't you have 60 seconds at most you know to uh make a video on TikTok and the fact that it resonated with not only veterans um or active duty you know and we're talking old veterans new veterans young people old people males females um all genders across all types it was overwhelming um, to see the support that came from sharing, to me, what I thought was just another story amongst all the other stories. And of course, a story not even nearly as tragic as what happened to Vanessa. Um, I think a lot of us, you know, with the, the state that the country is in, you know, with the atmosphere that we're feeling, you know, where sometimes it feels very divided and sometimes we feel very united you know in these movements and just like with the black lives matter movement and george floyd kind of being the catalyst to that you know regardless of people saying we shouldn't make him a martyr it was his death that sparked the change which is unfortunate but it was also vanessa guillen's death that sparked this outcry for getting this right, for stopping the abuse that's happening, from stopping the victimization 
of men and women and people in the military. And I think that it's a great testament, honestly, to what we can do as as humanity, you know, to ask for things to change. There's so much going on right now with, you know, the pedophilia, you know, child trafficking, all this Hollywood stuff, you know, the Black Lives Matter, the the president and the things that he says and does. There's so much going on. We're we're on the heels of what happened in Lebanon a couple of days ago, which was devastating. And it's like one hit after another. And I know a lot of us feel like, you know, 2020 is cursed, right? But on the other side of that, 2020 seems to be the time where finally voices are being heard and the right people are hearing those voices and the right people are changing or or asking for action and asking for change um you know i i talked to my mom like i said this morning and she has her own experiences with sexual assault in the military now my mom was in the military in the 70s and she did i believe 3 years because you didn't have to enlist i don't think for 4 years back then and she was raped by another uh, sailor. And this morning we were kind of talking about that. And I didn't know this, you know, until a few years ago, you know, she finally told me her own personal childhood trauma and, and mentioned this story to me and, you know, told me pretty much everything about it. And my, my dad's, you know, her and my dad had just I think started their relationship when this happened. Um, they actually, she went through a court martial situation. She was there for that sailor's court martial. And she said, you know, that she was glad that they did the right thing. But now in her time, you know, and we're talking 30 plus years of not being in the military and getting into the VA system. And her and my dad got a really late start in the VA system because I, a lot of people don't know that veterans, there really wasn't any, uh, you know, there wasn't this like drive to help veterans with their mental health or their medical health. Um, and you always felt like you couldn't do that because you weren't a combat veteran, for example. I thought the same thing and I got out in 2006. So she started her VA, you know, claim and her VA process really late in the game. I want to say 2006 when I got out of the military. Um, and you know, she had tried to bring this up and even the medical professionals in the VA were like, well, you don't have any proof. The hospital that you were at, you know, at the time didn't, you know, it burnt down or something and there's no record. So you don't have proof. So you can't make that claim. And all too often, I feel like that's what we're told. Well, you don't have proof. Did you file a report? Did you, you know, speak up about it? And in a lot of circumstances, people don't speak up about it because there's oh, there's two options if you speak up. And one of those is you just you decide to speak up and the circumstances or the consequences of that is retaliation against you, um, you know, ruining your reputation. Uh, and if you're somebody who doesn't speak up, and you do well in the military, say you you do experience that, but you, you know, I can only refer to myself in this example. I, I dealt with it and I still wanted to be in great physical shape. I still wanted to be the best Marine I could be. 
So I was more career focused. And because of that, my reputation for doing so well was chalked up to, oh, well, you got to be sleeping with somebody. You have to be sleeping with somebody to be getting meritorious promotions, so on and so forth. And I don't want to go off on that tangent, but as a woman, um, I joined the Marine Corps when I was 19 years old. I had never lived away from home. I had only had one job that I started after I graduated high school. So I didn't have these experiences and I did have childhood trauma that I never spoke about, you know, never worked through. It came out, you know, my dad was in denial. Um, you know, the whole family was in denial. And I, I have a few episodes that kind of talk about that. But going into the military, especially as a 19 year old woman, you know, and uh, completing Marine Corps boot camp and Marine Corps combat training, feeling like I'm going to be taken care of. And then you know, my first week on the job, having a staff sergeant and E6 at the time, my first time, like my first week being in one of our dress uniforms, we had to wear a dress uniform on Fridays. I was 20, you know, we wore thongs. It was a thing. We didn't want panty lines in our uniforms. And I remember standing there, I worked in postal. So I was separating some mail at a table. And I remember this staff sergeant who was cool, you know, he was funny, he was cool, he was like the class clown, if you will. Everybody liked him. And forgive me, because this gives me a little bit of anxiety to talk about this, so I might be a little out of breath or shaky. But I remember standing there doing my job, wearing uh, what was a khaki shirt that hit pretty much right at the waist, and green wool pants. So you could see, you know, your panty lines, whatever, through those pants. But that's what I was wearing that day. And he came up and whispered in my ear, you know, thongs aren't authorized in uniform. And as a 20-year-old who just naive, you know, the naivety of me at that time, I, I was just, I remember being like, I, I remember physically, because I can feel it now, just, you know, you get that weakness in your arms, you like, you're frozen, and I remember being like, I'm so sorry, Staff Sergeant. I didn't know that we couldn't wear, you know, I didn't know that. And he was like, oh, I'm just messing with you. And he walked away. And I remember in that instant feeling that trauma, you know, as a kid and being abused, feeling so shameful and scared, you know, and not really sure what to make of that situation. And it was that same day that he approached me, and this was a couple hours later, and was like, hey, I need to talk to you. And again, you know, having, I was basically fresh meat, right? Just checked in. I was young, I was 20, so I was in really good physical shape. And thankfully, I don't, I'm, I'm not conceited by any means, but you know, I be, you grow up, you're told if you're pretty, you're told if you're not pretty. So I had this sense that I might be pretty um, and in the face. <laughs> and I remember he's like, I need to talk to you. Like when you have a minute, I need you to go to the back room. So there used to be this kind of like open office area 
And then there was what was like a storage closet behind it that had two doors into it. So it was kind of a long storage room. But in that room, there was another little closet, like a utility closet, where we kept our buffer, you know, and our wax or whatever, that machine. Yes, we did the floors. And I remember going to that back room, you know, and standing at parade rest because I thought I was in trouble. I thought I did something wrong. And he said, no, back there. And I remember like, what the hell? Like, why do I need to go? So I went to that back room and he pulls out a rubber band. And you know how we used to do that rubber band thing where you'd pull it, put it around your thumb and index finger and then pull up to snap it on somebody. So at the time, there was like this rubber band war going on in the office because, you know, you have to find downtime and you find a way to have fun during, you know, having to be stuck at work. So I remember he pulls this rubber band out like he's going to shoot it at me. And we were probably two or three feet apart, maybe, um, just because that room was so tiny. Mind you, I'm standing at parade rest again, and he pulls this rubber band out, and I turn my body because I thought he was going to shoot it at my face or whatever. I turn my body around so that I'm kind of like half of the back of my body is facing him and I feel his hand on my butt and he's holding, you know, the, the rubber band to where his hand is flat on me. And I just remember feeling like I can feel it now. I felt disgusted. And he was, you know, I said, I remember realizing what this, like in that moment, what this moment was about. And I was like, oh, you know, don't do that. No, that, that hurts, whatever. And I left, I left the room. And again, I'm sorry if this is triggering. Um, It's triggering to me too. I kind of feel a lump in my throat because I don't talk about this stuff and I haven't made it a habit. And I think just let me add this, that most of us that have been victimized like this, we don't go around shouting this from the rooftops. We don't go around posting it on our social media. And if we do post something, we always make sure that it's very objective and it just sounds like an opinion other than an experience. Um, And that's, that's at least what it is for me. So I remember this happening. I remember, you know, leaving that room, going back to work and just feeling like, what the hell just happened? Like, what is this, what I'm going to have to deal with here? I have always been outspoken, I guess. Um, That's why I was in a lot of trouble in high school and, and, you know, in a lot of confrontations as a high schooler and even later on in my life. I'm just not somebody who stays quiet about something that has impacted me. So, you know, obviously specific to, you know, if something makes me uncomfortable, I usually like to seek out other opinions before I make my final opinion, right? So I went to one of the Marines that had been working there and he was like, no, 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 he was probably just kidding. You know, I wouldn't take it personally. He's such a good guy. And I kind of got that from everybody. Everybody I talked to, because again, I was new. I was maybe two weeks in and people were like, no, 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 he would never do that. That's He would never do that to somebody. He's such a good guy. He's such a great staff sergeant. He's such a good dad. And nothing ever came of it. I didn't say anything. I didn't report it because I felt like either I'm going to ruin my reputation or I'm just going to be quiet about it. So 
when you're in the military, you have just like any job, you have these annual trainings that you have to do. Um, and as being a new uh, person on base, they have like these newcomer briefs. I can't remember exactly what they're called, but it's like an orientation type thing. And you go and get all this training within a week and, you know, so that you're good for the year. And I went to a training because I got there kind of at a weird time that year. There weren't like the big newcomer briefs. So it was like small little ones for like 10 people who had just checked in. So I remember going to the class. It was a sexual harassment or sexual assault training class. And I'm sitting in a room that happened to be maybe 10 to 15 people, the majority of which which were officers, you know, and I'm talking like from O1s to O5s. So that's from like a lieutenant, second lieutenant, bottom of the barrel to lieutenant colonels. And I had a sergeant with me, I think that had just checked in from my unit. There was like a couple corporals, a couple PFCs, and then all these officers. And it was in a tiny little room, I remember, because it was like this small little auditorium. It was kind of weird. And I remember the instructor asking, you know, like, all right, well, this concludes the training. Does anybody have any questions about, you know, what we've talked about today, about what to do? And I raised my hand, you know, and I remember like feeling like I'm feeling now, feeling shaky and nervous and feeling that kind of rush of heat go through your body because you're like, should I say this or should I not? But I asked, I said, what if you say something like what if you speak up and you tell people that something happened and nobody does anything about it and I'll never forget the room just fell like silent um, because again they know that you're new you know they know you're new to the base and the lieutenant colonel was sitting in front of me and he turned around and he was like if that happened to you I want to apologize on behalf of everybody in the marine corps that that wasn't taken seriously. And I remember trying to make like light of it, like I'm just asking. And a couple, maybe like a month later, there was an investigation started. Um, and thankfully, even though it wasn't an official report, you know, that I didn't go and, and write this or submit an official report or complaint, what I guess what I said in that moment or how people felt in that room, they felt it necessary to spark an investigation themselves. Now, along with that investigation, other things kind of came to light that that wasn't the only time and that wasn't the only thing. And I remember a lot of the Marines were like, oh my God, like who would say something? Like, I can't believe he would do that. And then when the truth came out, people were like, oh God. And and in that circumstance, he was gone. He was moved from the office. Now, sexual harassment was a constant my entire first enlistment, those first four years. Um, being harassed by people that I really looked up to and feeling powerless sometimes to stop advances or stop conversations. Um, it happened on deployment. It happened with drivers, you know, on convoys. Um, I remember too, this, this, uh, guy, we were in Haditha Dam in Iraq and there was a Marine who was constantly taking pictures like, and this is digital camera days. So we didn't have iPhones and all that. Um, and I remember another Marine, it was from a, a K-Bar unit, three, I think it was 3rd Battalion, 25th Marines, to be honest, which is a whole other story in my life. 
Um, and they were like, hey, I just want to let you know that that Marine is taking pictures of you, like as you're up here unloading a Connex box of mail. So I'm in camis essentially, but with my blouse off. So I have a t-shirt on, you know, sports bra, because you don't wear regular bras when you're out in the heat. And I remember complaining about that um, when we got back from that convoy. And when I talked to, I think it was a captain that was in charge of that little unit. And I told him like, hey, I just want to let you know that this Marine, you know, approached me and said that this other guy is taking pictures on his phone. And I saw them because I remember approaching that guy that day at the dam because we were there for like five hours and being like, if you don't delete those pictures, like I will report you. And, you know, people see that as kind of like, oh gosh, she's just being dramatic. But no, they were pictures of like zoomed in on my butt, on my chest, on my like pelvic area, if you, you know. And the thing is, I'm wearing cami, so you can't even see anything. But it's something that runs rampant in the military, especially when the military is built, I'm sorry, on toxic masculinity, you know, it's, you're around nothing but misogynists, and that's what it is, and you don't have female leadership, you know, maybe it's changed, but this was 2006, 2003 to 2006 for me, 2002 is when I went to boot camp, but there was no female leadership in roles that actually, you know, like where they could take some action or, or have some change because it was all men. And I remember talking to that captain and he kind of laughed it off. And I was like, sir, I don't think this is funny. I'm a married woman. You know, I'm out here trying to do a job in the 120 degree weather to get your guys mail, you know, to get their letters home to their families. And I have a Marine out here who's taking pictures of me doing that. And he, you know, once I changed my tone with him, he took it seriously. And from what I understand, the camera was like confiscated. Everything was deleted, I hope. But that's what you deal with as a woman in the military. And for anybody that hasn't had that experience, I'm happy for you because it is a nightmare to be constantly, constantly harassed or constantly having to defend your reputation defend your beliefs, defend everything about you because people don't want to believe that it happens. I think that with this whole thing with Vanessa Guillen and the fact that people are calling to action, like calling for the military, for everybody to stop this behavior is, again, it's resonating well outside of the community of active duty veterans, you know, and I think that it's empowering more people, not just women, but more service members, whether active or on veteran status, to come forward and say, me too. That's what that movement was about. And silencing people because it doesn't look good, you know, is, is the biggest problem in the, in the military. I, I can speak for the Marine Corps. I, I can't speak for every other branch. But I know because I experienced it, I dealt with it. And normally it's a slap on the wrist. And those are only two experiences in the countless experiences that I had that I remember vividly dealing with that and feeling the way that I felt and, and the abuse of power and authority and rank 
and the way they could so quickly spin something to make you look like you're lying or like you're being dramatic or that you're trying to cover something up. My biggest issue and the reason I wanted to make this episode today was not only to bring light to that and maybe you know someone can relate or this will resonate and you will start sharing your story and you will start seeking the assistance or the resources that are out there to help you overcome this. But the other side of it is most victims aren't out there putting this story all over their Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or whatever. Most victims, if you think about it this way, most combat veterans, let's just talk about like Purple Heart recipient, you know, recipients. They're not out there talking about their story on their own accord. Somebody has either said something, you know, has spoken up for them, has shared their story, and then that person has been afforded the opportunity to do something for the greater good and and share their experience and help other people. But the hard thing about being, especially a female veteran who has experienced military sexual trauma, is that you will see female veterans use that as a way to gain attention or followers or, you know, even monetary assistance um, and resources. And that's the reason why I've never been one to speak about this. I would love to work in an advocacy setting with female veterans who have experienced this trauma to be able to talk about my childhood trauma, my military, you know, sexual trauma or experiences and show, you know, that it, it's not something that has to define you, but it's hard as a female veteran to see other female veterans that I know personally that haven't experienced these things getting attention and opportunities to speak out about this. Now, I actually know somebody who did this exact thing on the same deployment who got into a relationship with our officer, our our, uh, chief warrant officer at the time. He was our postal chief. And they started a relationship on a deployment. She was younger than him, obviously. Both married, both had kids. And she created all of these stories on that deployment of people that had harassed her or assaulted her, but confided in me and another Marine about what was really happening and didn't realize that she probably made a mistake in doing that. Now, everything that she claimed, you know, a lot of people refuted and she was moved a few times. And then she, when we came back from that deployment, their their relationship continued and I somehow got put in the middle of that um, until one day I was like, you have got to stop calling me. I even told the officer, you, I'm not talking to her through you. I'm not talking to you through her. I'm not doing you favors. And he would write me post-it notes constantly asking me to get her to call him. So on and so forth. That's a long story. And I remember about three years ago, I got an email over Facebook or a message over Facebook from this same girl who was never, she never got any, you know, retribution 
because she was, it turned out she wasn't credible. She was lying. She was slandering a ton of other people because she didn't want that relationship to come to light, obviously, because she was married and, you know, reputation would have been ruined and the same for him. So she tried to create other stories about being victimized by other people to include our Navy, you know, brothers and sisters that were out there with us. And a few years ago, she was trying to get a claim through the VA, um, you know, about her sexual military sexual trauma. And she sent me an email and was like, you know, I know that you know everything that happened out there, blah, blah, blah. Would you be willing to write a statement for me? Um, because I'm trying to get this claim. I'm trying to get a disability percentage. And you have that moral conflict, right? Because we're human. And I remember telling her, like, listen, I don't know any version of that story except the version that I saw, you know, I experienced with the two of you. Um, I heard some things that didn't turn out to be true. So I'm sorry and I wish you the best of luck in your journey, you know, in life, but I will not write a statement for you. And she blocked me and deleted whatever. But that's the other difficult thing about being somebody who was victimized, especially in the military, not especially, but just in this circumstance in the military and seeing women who make up stories to discredit other military members because of their own decisions and choices and the way that they chose to behave And then those same people getting high percentages of disability for military sexual trauma or PTSD and people like myself who don't speak up, who have, I have a very low disability percentage with the VA and I'm never going to fight for any more because I shouldn't have to fight for it, um, for fight for somebody to believe me when I'm telling the truth, when there are women out there who Unfortunately, I say women because I know of two specifically that continue to get opportunities, continue to be a voice for women veterans, continue to get praise, you know, for being an advocate when I know personally that none of those experiences that they're saying happened actually happened. And, you know, I'm a firm believer, as I always say in karma, I try not to diminish my story or my experiences because of somebody else's successes. And I hope that, you know, at the end of everything, people will be held responsible for the things that they've done and said. Um, And as a woman, I have been victimized by another veteran, another female veteran. I've been called, you know, names and insulted um, because of jealousy or whatever. But it's hard for me sometimes to not want to say like, hey, this girl victimized me too. And I'm a female veteran and she shouldn't get the praise and all of that that she deserves because she's not doing the right thing by other veterans. And I'm not trying to take this in a negative way, but it's just one of those things that like, if you are somebody who has dealt with these experiences, whether it before, during, after, or have never been in the military, it's not something that you are constantly talking about. It's not something that you're posting about. It's not something that you're sharing, you know, in the middle of a crowded room because Unfortunately, the way we are as humans, it feels shameful and it feels like it's your fault. 
So it's the same thing I say, like if an army vet or whoever, some male veteran is talking about how they've gotten blown up and this, that, and the other, and they went to Iraq five times and blah, 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 blah. I've come to find that those guys are not telling the truth. And again, I worked for the Wounded Warrior Regiment. I worked briefly with, um, along, not with, but I was part of the Wounded Warrior Project, like combat support veterans group. You know, I've had experiences that allow me, that give me the credibility to speak about this. And I've seen people who have lied to multiple people about their experiences. And and again, you know, I worked in a capacity that I, when I came across this male veteran who was like that, who had a service dog, that's the whole reason I noticed him one day, because I used to work at a restaurant and he was always telling people, oh yeah, I got blown up two, three times in Iraq. You know, I, I have a purple heart, this, that, and the other. And I worked in a capacity where I could look that information up. Um, and it wasn't true. None of it was true. He had a self-inflicted wound um, while he was deployed because he wanted to go home. And this guy has 100% disability from the VA. He got all kinds of, you know, this was back before iPhones were so easily attainable. You know, I remember he got an iPhone, an iPad for free. He had a GS9 job. Um, which is pretty decent money if you're like me and live in the Northern Virginia area. He got a service dog that he never took care of. That dog always looked terrible until it was time for her to be, you know, recertified, I guess. And that's the kind of stuff that, that you see as a veteran who's not out there, you know, putting all your business and looking for some kind of um, retribution from your experiences. The whole reason I talk about this stuff is because I just need to share it with everything that happened recently with Vanessa Guillen, with everything that's going on with the the systemic racism and, and discrimination toward people of color and being a person of color and being a woman and also a veteran. And, you know, it's one of those things where I just want to share it because I want other people to feel the confidence and to understand that they're not the only one. Like you're not the only one who's dealt with this. A lot of people have dealt with this and and to give power to their voice and empower them to speak up. But understand that there's always gonna be people who are doing it for the wrong reasons. If you're doing it for money, if you're doing it for attention or likes or followers or views on your YouTube videos, you're not doing it right. Because you have to be able to not only speak up and speak out, but to also give back. And if you're not giving back, then that to me is questionable. That's questionable about your credibility. And again, I didn't want this to take a negative turn. I just want to highlight the fact that it is difficult to talk about this stuff, but it's even more difficult when there's people in the limelight who are getting all the attention, especially when you know personally that that person hasn't experienced what you've experienced and how to not compare yourself or diminish your experiences or diminish, you know, the way that you're healing or the way you've chosen to heal or the, the, even the place that you're in in the healing process. And to understand that sharing it with like-minded people, with people that you can relate to, with people that they're, maybe they've shared their experiences and they've stayed with you and they've empowered you to speak up, don't stop doing that. Because the minute that we stay silent, 
The bad stuff will always weed itself out. The bad people, the bad weeds, right? They'll they'll eventually have to, um, you know, take responsibility for what they're doing or saying, and and their integrity may come into question by some other way. And and that's not something that we have to worry about. That's not something that us more quiet, the more quiet victims, that's not something we need to worry about. And that's something I have to remind myself every day is like, okay, let these people get everything that they want and need, let them be successful, but understand that karma will catch up, you know, things will work themselves out. And maybe eventually someday I will get the opportunity to work with and support, you know, women who feel like I do. Um, I hope I didn't go off on a tangent. And again, never trying to be negative. Um, I'm just trying to be realistic. And this is where my head is. My headspace right now is trying not to compare my lack of same movement or success toward a certain goal to someone else's who is being so loud, um, you know, because I'm not a loud person, especially when it comes to sensitive topics like this. I hope that you find strength in the in every day, you know, find the courage every day. And I do want to apologize if me sharing my experiences might have been triggering to you, but understand that they're triggering to me as well. And I never want to make anyone feel, you know, negative or unresolved or anything like that. I just want to share my story and my experiences as I have on this podcast. And I want you to know that I am here for you in whatever capacity you need me to be. If it's just to listen to someone work through their own stuff, I'm here for that. If it's, you know, to feel like you're connected to someone else in the world, I'm here for that. If it's to feel like we're alone, you know, together, I'm here for that. Um, I think in my last episode or maybe a few episodes ago, I shared um, my email for this podcast if you need to reach out or talk, it is thoughtspiral at yahoo.com. Um, I don't have my personal information on there. It is strictly an email connected to this podcast. And, you know, I'm here. Um, I hope that all of you out there are having a good week. Um, we're still in the midst of this pandemic. We're still in the midst of everything that's going on right now. And... It's okay to be tired. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be sad. Um, but try to reach out or try to find people that help you kind of get through those daily battles. Um, you know, I wish love and light to you all. I thank you to those who do listen to these episodes and who maybe get something from it. And I'll be back. Take care. <laughs>